And we're back. My name is Mar. And I'm Sadie. And this is the podcast where we read the books so you don't have to. Today we are diving into a book. Um, It is by a woman named Elise Hugh and it is called Flawless. But before we get into that, we've got mail. We've got mail, people. So this mail comes particularly from a really good friend of mine. Her name is Ani Mansan Moreira. She's all the way from Brazil, and she lives here in the United States. And this is her question. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Mar. I know you both are all about the books. So my question is, if someone ever wrote a book about you, what would it be called? Good question. If someone wrote a book about you, Sadie, what would you call it? Oh, my gosh. At this point in my life I feel like I would want someone to entitle a book um scrambling I don't know I'm you were like this is such a deep no it is not she's scrambling no I think I'm trying to imagine if someone wrote a book about me at 26 mm. I, it's a very different title than if someone wrote a book about me when i'm 70 True. hopefully when i'm 70 it's this wise beautiful you know <laughs> poetic title that just shows the life i have lived <laughs> what i have learned um but yeah at this point right in this moment i mean scrambling sounds very, it, it's really not representative she of scrambled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> it's not representing my current state but mm. i think it's literally my brain in this exact moment and mm-hmm. that's why i'm thinking of that title Her. but um what about you mar <laughs> what would you entitle <sighs> so a book? someone wrote a book about me first of all i wouldn't want it to be a biography i would want like someone to it to be a fictional story but like based off of someone that they knew and it was based off of me so it wasn't so like not a book name. about you well no no, no. <laughs> It was about me and like maybe someone's friendship with me or something okay. like that. But it's like she says it's about us. Sadie's <laughs> <laughs> gonna write a book about me but, um, and about our friendship. Yeah. No, but I mean, like, I would want to be a character in a book okay. that was based off of me. So I might not have my name, but if somebody asked them, like, "Oh, who was this based off?" It's like, "Well, I've got this really good friend, and it's based off her." Love. And like, I. This is kind of taking away, the title's kind of taking away from, like, The Light We Carry okay. by Michelle I was going to say, like, The Joy We Needed. I am branding myself, okay? <laughs> the Joy We Needed, Mariah. The Joy You Didn't Know You Need. Like, I need it. Like, I don't know. I love it for you. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I don't okay. know. Okay. Mar says I'm just kidding, but I am not. She says I'm dead serious. <laughs> well, I just feel like I exude joy. I love and that. Like, you do. And I feel like something you should be confident in. And so it's like, I don't know. I, I think, want it to be a good story about me, not like a bad one. Here's the I thing. The joy you needed sounds like a memoir, but you want it to be a fiction. So yes. maybe, 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 like, maybe my name's Joy in the book. <gasps> wow. Okay. So we're workshopping that title. We are. I love it. If you guys would like to write this <gasps> book. <laughs> Inspiring author. No, stop trying to the novelty podcast on our Instagram. <laughs> I don't want to read. Actually, that's exactly what I want to do for a job. So yeah, I guess oh, if you on. if you do write books, send them yes. in. I'll review them for you. Sadie, guys, okay, shameless plug. Sadie is a publisher. If you did what? not know that, so if you would like to, do I am not. <laughs> 
the way I looked at you, I was like, what have I published that you're... She wants to be a publisher. And so I was like, if you got some things, let's get this business started. I'm crying. Thank you so much for that, Mar. But anyway, thank you, Ani, for sending in that question. Yes, great question. And if you want to hear yourself on the podcast, Mm. you need to send us a question. You can DM us in voice memo style to our Instagram. And you might just hear yourself on this amazing, world-famous podcast. (laughs) Global. (laughs) Global, okay. (laughs) But like Mar said, this week we are reading a book called Flawless. Mm. The subtitle is Lessons in Looks and Culture from the K-Beauty Capital. And this book actually was released May 23rd of this year. Of 2023? Yes. It is hot off the press wow it is very very new we're in june yep oh you guys didn't know that we're in june when we're recording this (laughs) surprise um but it is a very recent book and so it was pretty notable because of who the author was so it's it's nonfiction, and it's very much a comprehensive look and from a journalistic standpoint on Mm. k-beauty and its influence so i'm just going to read uh, the little bit of the intro real quick to give you guys an overview of kind of what the book's going to be about, and then we can get into it. One. So it says, I've seen the future, and it's poreless. In 2015, I moved from Washington, D.C. to a city I'd never previously stepped foot in, Seoul, South Korea, to be an international correspondent and the first ever Korea and Japan bureau chief for the American broadcaster NPR. Almost immediately, I realized that by making the move, I had time-traveled forward and was face-to-face with the future of how we might live, look, and relate to one another. Yeah. And that is what this book is about. Come on. And I want to know your initial feelings, because (laughs) 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 I, if you guys, okay, I'm more of the type A, a little bit more planner, a little Mm. bit more looking into it ahead of time. Mar is a fly by the seat of her pants queen. Wait, hold on And she... And so I asked you, I was like, we saw each other. When did we see each other, Mariah? Yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Okay, ma'am. Yesterday. Scrambled. Come and see us so, soon this year. <laughs> I saw you yesterday and I said, oh my gosh, what are your thoughts of the book? Because this is making me want to throw out my phone and it's giving me the creeps. Mm. And you looked at me like a woman that did not know what I was speaking about. <laughs> and I said, how are we supposed to have a dialogue on this? And that's what I come to find out that Mariah's like... Yeah, I probably will, but I don't know because I'm going to start reading this book right now. <laughs> Guys, I literally, I people read books in a week. I read it in a day, baby. Yep. Okay, I get that thing done. Crazy. But I would say, okay. I so I want to know, I guess, because I was going to ask, I was asking you last night how you felt about it. I want to know yes. now, mm. what was your feelings as you're reading it? Because I was getting the creepy crawlies on my skin, wow. wanting to throw my, it was just giving me, it was, I haven't had a emotional response like this to a mm. book in a while. I don't know why my really my response was like I thought we already knew this. Mm. Of like and maybe I don't know why I would know so much about this stuff, but I didn't feel like I was hearing anything new. Right. Because it's like I I genuinely guys we're talking about like a lot of like makeup and body standards in the South Korea area, especially in the city of Seoul. Mm-hmm. But it's I just think that it's something that since I love makeup so much, it's something that I've already seen. Like I w- used to watch vis- videos of like culture, different makeups and things like that. And so it's like it's stuff that I knew that was happening, but I didn't realize, I guess, that it was more everyone has free will, but it's like they didn't really have a choice. Right. Versus exactly. I thought other people were they were just choosing to do it this way. Right. I think what gave me the most I, it just gave me such a. 
And I don't get very disparaging. disparaging. I don't get very like down. But I was like, oh, my gosh, social media is so harmful. Technology is the worst. And I've, I mean, we've talked about this mm. so much. And I understand like technology has offered so many invaluable and beneficial things yeah. to society. But specifically in K-beauty and Korean culture, I was so surprised at how much of an influence I think technology, the rise of technology had in their culture mm. and then influenced Western culture and specifically the U.S. Yeah. And oh, I don't know. It just gave me the, <laughs> I, it gave me the creepy crawlies. For sure. I definitely think it's like, and as we get into this, I think it's always going to buckle down to it's like, how do you use it? Right. 100%. Yeah. How to use makeup and how to use social media. Yes. But okay, so I guess we can kind of just talk a little bit about explaining Korean beauty and yes. kind of the standards. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So do you want to get into some of the things that Elise, Elise talked about? Yeah, I think definitely like, so just like everywhere, makeup seems to be a very big thing. But I think the biggest difference between America and kind of Korea is that America, it's more of like, you can do it, you cannot do it. It's whatever you want. Do wear a bare face. If you don't, that's fine. Uh, wear as much as makeup as you want has little. But in Korea, especially in the city of Seoul, it really seems like they don't really have that choice. It's the standard. It's the same as like you wake up, you put clothes on, and then you put your face on. Yep. Man or woman. Mm -hmm. It's like they expect you really to have like, like this milky skin, like super like shiny to the point where some people said that they thought like their skin was super oily, but it's like, no, it was just that like milky looking. They would sell products in that way. They expect you to kind of have like a V-shaped face. So if you don't have a V-shaped face, like you get those like skin tapes that suck your skin back, so contouring, all that. And like, but it, it's different in the way of like, of them having to do it because it's frowned upon if you don't. It's more of looked at as like kind of like a social standard. People who walk around with bare face or freckles or things like that, they're kind of looked at as if they're lazy. There's literally a quote from the book that says, the rejection of basic appearance norms comes with punishing social sanctions mm. for Korean women. Yeah. So it, you can, people will not hire you. Yes. They will invite you to things. There was a story she told about how her and her girlfriends went out to lunch and they took a picture of it and they asked a woman who was in the friend group to yes. not be in the photo mm -hmm. because she wasn't because she didn't match. She wasn't put together. Yeah. So they were like, no, 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 you're fine that you're here for lunch. We love that you're here. But like, don't be in this photo. Yeah. It's crazy to me. They 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 care. They care that much. And so I think it's so easy for us to say, like in the American culture, to be like, well, just don't care about it. Do whatever. But in that society, everybody is taught to care. And so if you were the one person who didn't, it's like you're choosing a life of outcasts, basically. A hundred percent. Yep. And even the the pressure from parents, mm. and because it's there's very much a culture of honor and shame. Yeah. And so when the parents are saying, we kind of talked about this as well, of how in Korean culture, specifically in the city of Seoul, it's kind of, it's very in your face about being good yes. is equated with being beautiful. Yeah, it says in order to be morally good, you have to be pretty. And to be pretty is to be morally good. They're one and the same. So it's not, it's not like a option kind of like yeah. in the U S or in American culture. It's very much like you're saying very individualistic culture where you can kind of do your own thing and it's encouraged for people to be unique and it's encouraged for people to not care what others think yeah. about you. But in Korean society, 
it, you are literally punished. Yeah. If you are not fitting in with the social norms and the beauty norms. You're, yeah, you're definitely, you're an outcast. And mm-hmm. so it's like, it, it's crazy because the social statuses that they get and the respect that can be gained just by the way that you look like here, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Here it's like your respect really comes off of, and we probably have come a long way, but it's like, it seems like your respect comes off of more of what you do, not of what you, how you look. Mm -hmm. Cause now it's like, you could look however you freaking want. Even if you do look a little crazy to some (laughs) people, it doesn't matter because it's based off of the skill that you bring to the table. Right. But at the same time, you were saying that it's like, we're, we are also showing negative, like negative aspects of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think too, it's so, it's. You can look however you want, but then there's this pressure to still accept everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Accept how everyone looks, but then there still is an underlying pressure to hold some sort of Mm. norm. And I think that's what's so interesting about Western culture versus Korean culture as we're reading through this book of how – so for one example, something that struck me was so interesting is how accessible – uh cosmetic procedures yes. are in the city of seoul it's crazy it's crazy they said that they have so this city has like the majority like the most plastic surgery like no statistically is in this city and they've got like the light like lines basically of like store shops but they're all plastic surgeon shops so you can go and you can get anything you want but they disguise it in a way of like it's a good thing like their names are like like I don't even know. The They're all the like skin food and yes. rejuvenate and things yeah. that are. Leave here with joy. Yeah. Like, I, you know, right here, back of my joy stuff. But <laughs> it, it's things like that. And they, it was crazy because they gave out the statistic of like, she talked to one of the doctors there because she would try to get interviews in there mm-hmm. of how he said that he literally does. He works six days a week. He does not work on Sundays and he does four surgeries a day, six days a week. And it's. He's been working at the pace ever since he started. He's, I think he said two, as minimal as two, as many as 10 a day. That's Four is crazy. his average. And then in comparison to surgeons in LA, three days a week is considered a full Time, surgical yeah. schedule. Which is crazy. And it could Wild. be like one surgery that day. Yep. And they have this um, street like you're talking about. It's kind of similar to Rodeo Drive in mm-hmm. California. And it is, it's all surgical shops. And something that they did, Korea did, is they branded themselves as the uh, social surgical, uh, what, are they, what is it called? The destination, like the tourist destination for cosmetic surgeries. Yes. So they, they branded. They, social network services yes. is what they were calling themselves. So they rebranded this part in the city of Seoul. <laughs> As being the destination if you are going to get cosmetic surgery. Yes. To go there. And something that was crazy is you would get tax breaks. Oh, this tax break for certain cosmetic procedures. So you would literally get benefits from the government if you were getting these surgeries. It's and so crazy. there's so many aspects of being culturally, financially, socially, mm. uh, Every every aspect rewarded for keeping in line with the beauty norms. Wow. Honestly, like, honestly, that really kind of blows my mind. And it's like they said that, and I definitely believe with this, is that they capitalize on fear of not fitting in. Mm-hmm. That's how they make their money. Mm-hmm. But then it's, it's just this vicious cycle, though, because at what point do they stop and they're like, 
wait a second, we've been doing this all wrong. It's really about who you are that mm-hmm. matters. Because you could be the prettiest woman on this earth or the handsomest man ever, but that doesn't mean people want to be around you. Mm-hmm. Yep. You could have all the money. And it's I definitely think it's like their priorities are in the wrong spot. But it's like, how do you get out of such a vicious cycle that's been going for so long? Mm-hmm. And a little backstory on this guy. So Elise Hume... She's actually from the States. She's from Washington, Mm D.C., and she moved to South Korea with her husband and her two girls. And so it's like this whole book. Well, she moved. Sorry, can I interrupt? She moved when she was pregnant with her first, which I thought cast a really interesting perspective over her experiencing Like being postpartum, being pregnant, going through all those phases. For sure. So, yeah. So she moved there um, from 2015 to the end of 2018. Which is crazy. That Yeah. So she moved. And so this book is really about everything that she saw and even some things that she gave into. And so it's just, yeah. Wow. That just blew my mind of like going through those steps of postpartum. And she was even saying herself that like there it's like a lot of people in cultures, they bind their stomach. And she was like, I didn't do that. I just was wanting my body to go naturally back down. And so I wonder, she didn't necessarily really talk a lot about the, how other people treated her, but I do know that she was not, she wasn't really fitting in there. No. And there was, I think what was so different in the aspect of even the discussion around beauty and looks in Western culture, specifically in the U S versus in Korea is that you are, it is, completely acceptable to talk about it Mm. in Korea. And it's almost like you can talk about certain aspects of beauty and looks in Western culture, but you cannot address anything that would come across as negative. And so in Korea, people would literally say things like, I think they said like elephant legs or they would like, they would literally say things that are like, oh, you, you know, they would say, hey, we can do these kinds of surgeries on you. We can do these like tummy tucks or we can do these things for you after the baby. It's crazy. She's just like, well, um, they were just saying dollar signs Mm -hmm. is what they were. Honestly, is what they're doing. And it's like, because even that doctor, it's like at the end of the day, he might even I think he said that he actually advised people to not get the surgery. But then at the end of the day, he's not going to say no, because that's how he makes a living. And he probably makes a really good living if he's doing like 10 surgeries a day, six days a week. Mm-hmm. Like that's crazy And they said But this is another thing It's like If you guys want plastic surgery Go to Seoul, Korea Because they do it so much At such a fast pace That at now at this point They're experts Right, right. There's no mistakes happening Because they mm-hmm. do it so often And it's so We were talking about too How even smaller procedures Like um Botox or lip flips or like even eyelash extensions yeah. Are so much more affordable there Because they make them so affordable to keep that influx in the economy and to keep that yeah. standard of like, well, you sh- you can't afford it, so you should be doing it. Yeah. And I just think, yeah, there's the pressure and the benefits of fitting in in that society. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to look a certain way. Yeah. The, extre- the extremeness of not going against some of these societal norms gives you so many disadvantages yeah like literally they were talking about how in majority of job applications you have to include height and weight and a picture yes that's crazy. on your resume that's crazy that's called lookism that's what they were saying is that it's lookism and it's like where your looks are supreme and it's frowned upon to even go to the store without makeup right like it's frowned upon because they look at you as like lazy like oh that person was lazy today mm-hmm. that's just and guys you know what 
I was thinking about this. I was like, wow, they, they charge so little for things like that. Like, how do they really make money? But then I was like, maybe we do it wrong is where we charge so much because we want the money. But guys, in, by 2027, K-Beauty is going to be worth $13.9 billion. That is so wild. Because the cheaper it is, the more people buy it. Exactly. The more it's accessible. So that money, it might be smaller than like what we're charging, but it adds up quickly. Well, and if you think about how... Okay, so in the U.S., certain procedures, they are not accessible to a majority of the population because of how expensive it is. If it was, there's a very good chance all everybody would be getting it. Yes. And that I think also was interesting about this book is Elise was kind of also exploring the idea of technology and the rise of uh, social media platforms like TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and all these things at the same time as Korea was trying to um, get an influx of uh, finances into their economy and how social media has contributed so much to Mm. the beauty standards. And then also, so things like if you recognize, oh, I have the ability to look like this Mm. on a screen, then surgeons and the beauty industry will make a way for you to look like that in person. Yeah. And there's a quote that was saying, if social media filters and enhancements are shaping what we view as possible, it makes sense that the social or surgical enhancement industry is also growing. So literally like if you if the if they're creating filters of them telling you, oh, this is how you can improve your face. Yeah. And then they go and create a surgery for that or they go and create an eye cream for that or they go and create whatever it is, Mm. then there is now the possibility that you actually could look like that. And therefore, it's wrong if you continue the way you are. Yeah. But they also talked about also about how like it doesn't matter how many surgeries that you get. Like, your body has its own way and its own will, and you can't change it exactly as you want it to. Because, like, even we were talking earlier about how, like, your body can reject things. Right. And I think that was Elise saying kind of, Ultimately, no matter how many times you try, your body still, you can't ever make it perfect. Yeah. And the so, problem is yeah. really about like what's going on with your soul mm-hmm. versus what it, like what is going on with like the way that you look. 100%. You know, it's like, but that's also a hard thing to say. It's like when I feel like they're in the type of culture and I'm not in that culture, so I could be wrong. But it's like, if it's only about your looks, you don't even have the time to really sit there and think about who you are. Right. As a person, like, do they even care? Well, and they were talking about, too, how prior to the film industry, like in movies um, in the 1900s, prior to that, especially in Korea, but in the Western society as well. But the what girls would when they asked them what they considered, like, how are you trying to improve yourself? Like, how are you trying to be better? How their answers were all about their morality. So their answers were uh, well, I'm trying to they they placed a high value on moral goodness of mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm trying to be, you know, more well read. I'm trying to be more kind. I'm trying to be more smart. I'm trying to be more interested. Whatever those things are about your personhood mm-hmm. and then how that shifted of like, yeah. oh, I'm trying to look more like this or I'm trying to like their yeah. version of what they even value and care about shifted yeah. With the film industry. And then I can't I can't even fathom how much that has shifted with social media for young girls now. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, that's like kind of a question that I had is like a lot of this book is truly based off of like things that are going on in like Korea. But also it's like, how do we apply this to ourselves of like where we're living? And if you are living for Korea, hello. Thank you for listening to the podcast. But also like if a lot of our some of our listeners are from like the U.S. And so it's like, how do we 
take what's happening over there? How do we learn from it? Where are the areas that we're actually seeing us going in that direction? Mm, Yeah. Well, one of the things uh, that stuck out to me was the K-pop stars Mm. and their discussion around food and how much they were required to like stay within a certain range, Mm -hmm. which the top of that range being like 115 pounds. Yeah, it's crazy. So I think what's really fascinating is I've noticed that emphasis on diet culture in the U.S. and not even diet culture, but just such a heavy focus on what you're eating, what it does to you and how much that takes up so much time of like, even just if you're trying to be healthy or if you're trying not, whatever you're trying to do, whatever your goals are, this focus on food and like Mm -hmm. what it's doing to you and how to, how to optimize it and how to, versus just enjoy it and cook it and eat it. And um, so I think that was one of the ways I noticed like the emphasis on, I think they were even saying that the only size that they sell, there's like a size that's called size free, right? Free size. Oh, yes. And it's like the equivalent to US size two. Yeah. And that is the the thing that they sell. Yeah. That is the that is what you wear. And if you can't wear that, then they have like different towns you gotta go further to a whole away different town to like buy clothes to shop yeah and so which is interesting because we were talking about mar had some hot takes okay wait <laughs> i don't know if i'll share them but i actually no, I got no. one hot take okay just one okay never mind okay. <laughs> mar's like we're not getting into it but we just we're talking about how i guess the juxtaposition between caring about your appearance how you feel what your body looks like hmm. and then also not having that dictated by the society around you. And so in the U.S., I feel like that's very different than in Korea where it's like, no, this is literally the standard and you got to fit into this. Mm -hmm. This is what you have to achieve. And here I feel like you have a lot more uh, options to look and be however you want to be. Yeah. Which honestly like that, I just – we can't control people, but it's like, that doesn't mean we're necessarily doing it the healthy way either. Right. Of like, because now we've entered, and before I say anything, <laughs> okay, I'm not on my 600 pound line. I was just- <laughs> <laughs> But I'm a bigger oh, woman. She's got hips. Okay. She's got two calves. Love- She's a bigger woman. I'm 5'1". Won't tell you my weight, but okay. I'm a bigger woman. <laughs> and so it's like, but, and we enter this conversation of body positivity this big movement right and for me i think we're getting it wrong i just i genuinely do that could be my little hot take for the day love it 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 doesn't whatever anybody thinks that as per like think that but for me it's like even as like a bigger woman it's like i could be beautiful in the stage that i am now and beautiful then but that doesn't always mean that the stage that i am right now is healthy for me Mm. doesn't always mean that that could be i used to be anorexic so that could be super skinny or super big or even right in the middle depending on how you're treating yourself it's like i don't think that we but we look at body positivity and say look and do whatever you want and it's like but we're not asking ourselves okay but how are they getting there right what are they doing to look however they want whether it's they want to look bigger they want to look smaller what are they doing to get there and it's like when we just say body positivity we're just saying anything you do to get there's fine right but it's not healthy no and i think that's it it is so important because i think yeah there's this idea right now of like however you look is perfect and great and Mm. good for you and i think what you're saying that i agree with is kind of like well 
I mean, you can look however you want to look, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a good thing. And it feels like mm. society is trying to say like, well, if you you can be in any kind of yeah. like emotional state, physical state, mental state, and we're just going to clap our hands and be like, OK, no, no, it's OK, because yeah. we don't want to ever offend. Mm. And I think that's what's so interesting that is so flipped in Korean culture from reading this book is that. No, you are gonna you are gonna look like this. Yes. And if not, we're gonna shame you. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's crazy. And it's so different. But I have noticed, I think, that crossover of influence of like the culture standards of diet and food. Yeah. I do think that that's one of the ways that it has impacted. I also think the other big one is technology. Oh, for sure. Because they were talking about how there are certain um, I think on TikTok, it's like it instantly, if you open the phone app or the camera app on TikTok, mm. it will already put a filter on your face yeah. just by like 3%. Yeah, it's So you crazy. don't even get a say if it's on there or not. They have beauty mode and they have all these other filters you can put on there. But if you open it, there's a 3% change on yes. your face. And so what that even does is that I – and I, it's so funny because I had literally heard – a influencer talk about she goes i don't know why i just love the way i look on tiktok like i have loved filming myself on tiktok blah 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 blah, blah. Mm. I'm like oh it's because you literally look better and you don't even know it mm. and so then what that does is even from the smallest standpoint one that creates you staying on the app longer yeah because you look better. Mm-hmm. And so you are different. You look different. Yeah, yeah. Well, you look. Yeah. I'm saying better in there in the creator yeah, standards. For sure. Yes. yes. Agreed. So you look different. But in their standards, they've created this. The filter that changes your face yeah. in a way that they would say. Oh, you look better today. Yes. You don't have those bags from last night. You Goodbye. don't have. Yeah. Your teeth are a little bit wider. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. crazy. And so then you want to stay on the app longer. You have more positive like associations mentally with this app because wow. you feel better. And so. Then from that, all these filters start coming out with how you there's the potential for you to look. So then you start enjoying spending time on social media more because you look better. You feel like a better version of yourself. But then what's crazy to me is that then they go and they will create surgeries. They'll create all the creams, all the things to make you then look like that. Yeah. And I think that's been one of the biggest ways it's changed. Honestly, it makes me sad because I think it's like we are at least from a Christian standpoint, because we are Christians, we love the Lord. It's just like, oh my gosh, I just genuinely want people to truly believe that we were created in his, in his image right. and truly believe that how that he uniquely designed us, that he took time on us, that he thought about it, that he knew what we we're going to look like before we were ever even in our mother's womb, the hairs on our head. It's like he literally designed us to a point where he's like this is beautiful to me and at the end of the day it's like and that's hard everybody has different beliefs but from my standpoint of beliefs it's like the one that created me thinks that i am beautiful so when i do something to change that right you could always get healthier right you lose weight things like that stuff that you can control but when i go to a plastic in my own opinion if i were to go and get work done and things like that i feel like i'm insulting my creator Mm -hmm. and that's just my own personal opinion and it's okay if yours is different right but it's like i'm going it's like if you see a piece of artwork and then you just start drawing on it and changing something and it's like say your friend's the one that made it they're like what are you doing they're like well i thought it could look better and it's like well that kind of hurts my feelings because i worked really hard on that right and i thought it was unique and it's like i thought it was perfect and so it's like it's like 
it's insulting to my creator. Yes. And it's like, he has done so much for me that the least thing I could do is treat my body like a temple. But sometimes people hear that and think it means like, then I need to be the best looking one out there. It's yeah. like, no, it means that you need to, you need to eat to live, not live to eat. You need to, you know, be active or you need to take care of yourself and think about your mental health and things like that and be kind to the people around you. That is what matters. Well, and I always say how you look is the least interesting thing about you. For sure. I'm like, there could be the most amazingly beautiful woman in the room and if she's bored to talk to you i'm like oh sorry i'm going yeah. To, i'm yeah it's annoying like i don't yeah. want to talk to you you're not interesting um but also it doesn't take away from this feeling of like wanting to improve and wanting to look of better course. and i do think again that comes back from technology of like mm. how did we even know that there was a better version of us to look like why yeah. did we even care and i think that's something that's interesting too is joel and i were just talking about how um, cause I get very like travel FOMO-y. I'm mm. like, I just want to experience life and I want to yeah. travel the world. I want to see everything God made. And like, I want to go and be a part of it all. Like, I don't want to live like this small life. And at the same time, I'm like, but I want to be content. Wow. And I was thinking about how, you know, a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, you didn't travel like 50 miles outside your home because A, traveling was dangerous mm -hmm. and B, you didn't even know what you were missing out yeah. on. And so I think what's so fascinating is now you know every tiny little thing mm. that could be available and optional to you. And so the same thing with social media and beauty standards and your appearance is like, oh, I didn't know I could look this way yeah. or I didn't even know that was an option and so I think what it's done is also just giving you decision fatigue of like oh my gosh okay so I could do my eyebrows this way or I could go yeah. on this diet or I could eat this kind of food and not do this kind of food and I could do this form of workout and not do this wow. and it's so interesting because before it's like well how would you have decided that how would yeah. you even have known you would have been blissfully unaware. Yeah, you would probably. have been having fun. Honestly, I think probably all of us would be a lot healthier as well, though, because like you would have just stuck to your town, and it is such just a blessing to <laughs> know your town. <laughs> you stuck to your town, like because even like big companies that they make it, they bait like they need that technology in order to be global and to be successful in that big way. Right. But it's like if we didn't have that, it's really based off the town that you're in. It's like, well, I'm only going to eat what's in my town, or I'm only going to go or do these things. Compare or, yourself to people around you. That's for sure. It. You don't have. You don't have five million women that you yes. could be comparing yourself to because if everybody if we did that we probably would have a lot more like esteem like good self-esteem because it's like wow if everyone around me the same size as me because we're all eating at the same places going to the same restaurant like we're fine well and i was just telling you i'm like i was blissfully unaware until mm -hmm. like 16 or 17 of like yeah, I'm 16 of like how i looked in comparison to yeah. other people i just didn't know and i think that was a product of um how i was raised and the friends I had, but I genuinely didn't know. I'm like, oh, I never even considered. Sadie did well. not realize that she was a beautiful woman no. until 17. She looks in the mirror. She says, I've got it. I've got it. No, I just genuinely was like, I don't, I didn't even know to care yeah, if that sure. makes sense. Like I didn't even know of like what to compare myself to or what I should do to look. I, I didn't yeah. know any of that. And so now I'm thinking about young girls. Like, I mean, we both have daughters. Like, I, it's uh, so yes. crazy to think about, like, how. But they're going to, that's the crazy thing is that they're going to learn it from us before they ever, depending on how you do technology in your own family, what they're going to learn from it first is going to be set up to be the example for the rest of their a life. A thousand percent. Oh, 
literally i yeah we've talked about like she is not getting she is not getting a phone until she Mm -hmm. can drive honey like literally she's just not like because there's no yeah i mean we've gone and i i've been very aware too of not wanting to of recognizing like if my parents had said well you're not having a landline in the house because we Mm. didn't have one it's like okay well i don't want to do that yeah but i also think the harmful effects of technology and social media are so astronomically proven especially when it comes to young child developmental brains and the actual way that it functions like i can't even fathom i can't even fathom what it would be like if oh it's so worrisome if they grow up with that i i cannot even fathom how literally your neural pathways are changing yes and i just it freaks me out so much but then yeah it's also again about how you operate in your own home and how you choose and not to be like a downer you know what I mean so I think it's like there's so many great things about technology as well and Mm -hmm. what it can do like me being away from my family like I love that I can see pictures of what they're doing and it's it's so many beneficial things but in the context of this book Mm -hmm. in the context of appearances I think it's done quite a bit more harm than good oh for sure and i just also well just one question before like we kind of close this up is my question is like this this book it's based off of beauty technology what it's done to us what it is doing for us good or bad it's like so after reading this and from your own say guys by the way sadie is the most one of the most detached people from her phone that I know, besides, I would just say probably, well, probably not now, but besides my husband. Because my husband, most of the time, he only has an Apple Watch. Yeah. So he doesn't even have social media. But Sadie could set her phone down for five days and you would not hear from her. But you know she'd be okay because she's just doing, she's living life. Yeah. And it's like, but so even already being on that more of extreme side, which I think is a good thing to be mm-hmm. with your phone, is how are you going to be with it now? After this? Yes. After reading this Are book? there changes that you're going to want to make? I think it was more, like you said at the beginning of the, of the podcast, of how it's nothing new, right? Like, I, I cognitively know all of these impacts that social media has had, but I think when you listen to it and learn about it through the lens of beauty standards, I think it just definitely shapes how you even think about what you individually care about and value. Mm. It's like, You have to think about, okay, do I even want to wear my hair this way? Wow, yeah. Do I even feel confident in this kind of clothes? Do I even enjoy my styling my eyebrows this way? I don't even know what. But it's like, I think what it has done is if you just are constantly focused and learning and listening about what other people are saying is what you should like or what Mm. you should care about or what you should look like, you completely lose any perspective on what your own individual interest tastes, yes, all those things are. And so I think for me, I don't know if it will necessarily change my usage of a phone, but I think it will absolutely change how I process and filter through any purchases. Wow. And specifically, I guess, regarding beauty but in general of like yes. am i buying this because i want this am i buying this because i need this or am i buying this because oh i didn't even know i needed it and now i do mm-hmm. because i was told you know from my phone that i do so yeah i don't know what about you mar i'm curious oh my gosh guys. y'all want to live off the grid no <laughs> I literally told her, I was like, it's going to make you want to throw your phone away. And she's like, I've been wanting a reason to do that forever. I a reason. No, I think 
I honestly, I've always been a person that I don't think I really care that much about like materialistical things. But I do think what I noticed reading this of them asking is like, is it really free will? It's like, did people actually choose that or were they told to choose it? And it's like, I, I look around and when I see people who they got a lot of brands on them. And it's like, you wouldn't be wearing that if nobody told you to. And then I was like, wait, where in my own life have I got caught in this, right? It's like, because I'm a thrift girl, girly. Love it. But I was looking at my iPhone. And I remember ever since when I was younger, right, even when I didn't have a phone, I didn't have a phone up until I was like 17 years old. I had an iPod, basically the same thing. But I didn't have a phone. And when I did get one, it was like a track phone when everybody else had a smartphone and then I got a smartphone. It was an Android and like constantly being bullied for it. Like it's just like you could have friends, but even your own friends would be like you pull out your phone and they'd be like, ew, like what is that? And people still do that today. I hear adults talking to each other that way and they think that they're being silly. But really, it's like, well, why did you choose it? Can I tell you what I texted on for what? the longest time? An iPad. Amen. Come on. An iPad. Literally a massive pull that thing out. It's like so. But it was still, but listen, also though, it was still an iPad. Right. It wasn't like a Samsung. Uh, it wasn't things like that. Sure. That's like where I'm coming from that area of like, I never went to the store, looked at all these different companies, scrolled through them and was like, which one do I like? Which one looks better to me? Which one functions better? Because I'm going to be honest, sometimes Android's got things that iPhone just does not 100%. have. Google Pixel, I feel like is one of the phones that people talk about the least, but it's the most functional for sure and it's like it can do so many things and it was like ahead of iphone iphone takes it and we think iphone did it first and so it's like it, i just looked at that and i was like wow to be honest my iphone ever since i got it and as a little kid me always wanting an iphone came from the fact that people told me i was supposed to have it mm. not because i wanted it because at the end of the day a phone is a phone right. they all call they all text they all send photos they take videos whatever they have social media it, it, you know and so it's like wow that is some place that like i mean i just I just bought the new one, so you broke out. She <laughs> fell for it again. We are still learning. We, we are, are still working through it. And growing. But I think, too, actually, I'm very curious of, I think when you're talking about, is it free will in regards to, did I choose this or is it chosen for me? I think I'm very much interested in the aspect of marketing and mm. how, like, if you looked at societally what was going on when Apple was on the front edge of yes. all the inventions regarding like the personal phone and the personal device. Yes. I think I I had an iPhone because literally that's what my parents yeah. were like, this is the phone that like when I, they would give us, they didn't give us phones. What am I talking about? They literally let us, we could go buy one, yeah. but it was like, this is the phone plan. And so yeah. you can put it on this. But I think it's was also, I'm curious of how they were influenced in regards to, oh, these are your options. Wow, yeah. And then how that trickled onto us of being like, okay, but I think also what's interesting about Apple is they've always been innovative and they've always marketed in a way oh, that's like, sure. this is the thing to want, this right? Is like, this is the only way you can go. Yeah, and so I just think, yeah, I just I don't even know. I genuinely, I just got a phone case for the first time in... Guys, it blew my mind. Sadie <laughs> walks around without a phone case, right? She was actually starting trends before it was a trend. She started trending like our whole entire community of people not using a phone case. So I'm going to be honest, well, I didn't use one for a long time. Love. She hasn't used one for like years. She walks in the other day, not with just a phone case, but a bright orange one. And I was like, what is that on your phone? Where did that come from? I was like, okay, we're wearing cases now. I <laughs> took my case out, put it on my phone. I was like, oh my God, trendsetter 
alert. We're using cases again. It's because it's, it was a moment of absolute utter humbling of myself because I'm literally at this point in my pregnancy where I'm truly dropping everything. And I was like, this is me being so prideful thinking I'm not going to drop this very expensive device yes. just because I haven't dropped it or I've been fine with it for the past couple of years. Yeah. So I literally was like, I got a phone case, but I did not even know what phone I had. I literally had to figure See? out what phone do I even own. I don't even know. <laughs> Wait, I you don't know what's even funny, know. Sadie. What is that? Every time somebody would like in the past few years, anytime Sadie, someone would ask Sadie what type of phone she had, I've always kept this to myself. But it's so oh, no. funny because she would always say like the newest one because she you weren't caught up with like I what ha- the newest one yeah, was. Yeah, I thought I, I thought so I someone's did. like, "Do you have 14? She's like, "Yeah, I think I do." I'm like, "Sadie, that's the 12." <laughs> I was like, "You <laughs> 12 Pro Max," and she's like, "No, I think I got the 13. I got the 15." But that's how disconnected, and it's a good uh, thing though. That's like what I strive to be. Is like I literally don't care about it that much. That it's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, sure. So I think it's a funny. new one. So like, I've been telling people it's a new one. Oh, that's why I was laughing my head off when I was like, I, how do I even figure out what phone I have? I literally was like, I'm just trying to buy a case. Yeah, I just need something to cover the edges yes. so that this pregnant lady does At not. This point, they all look the same. Like it makes sense why it'd be confusing though. It's so funny. Yeah. Wow. What an interesting. I think this book has given. so so many aspects of discussion Mm. and i think if you i would highly recommend this book wow because i think it definitely is a little bit more um she kind of goes at least you goes a little bit more chronologically through her time there and then something that she also does really well is she kind of gives a lot of history and background to how certain movements in korea happened and why they did And I think that's the aspect of it that's maybe a little bit more boring to listen to on a podcast with Mm -hmm. all the dates and the times and everything and with all the different um, influxes of power and the different leadership and the different dynasties. But I found it interesting because I think what it helped do is show me that, okay, the way that I am being shaped by uh, social media specifically in regards to beauty, culture, and standards, the way when I walk into a store, it's all come from somewhere. Not yes. necessarily saying it's come from Seoul, South Korea, but it's come from some marketers. It's come from people that are looking at how do we get you to recognize or to think that you can be improved upon. Mm. And so I think this book is, I would give it, I would genuinely give it a Five out of five. Wow, guys, she does not do that. I don't because I think I mean I look at it, I look at book writings from like a lot of different ways, but I think this one specifically, I'm like, I liked the writing mm-hmm. style. I liked how she kind of talked about her time there, her experience through the lens of someone who was had never been there before, but then also was pregnant, then postpartum, then got pregnant again there, yeah. had another baby there, how she went through all these things there. But then also she I mean, she's very journalistic. So everything that you're reading, there's a lot of comfort in knowing, okay, this is factual. This is informational. But then she doesn't just bore you with tons of dates and times. Like there's so much that she kind of thinks through. Mm. Um, so yeah, I would encourage if if you're interested in this topic at all, I would say go pick this book up. Wow. What about you, Mar? What would you give it? Y'all know me already, but I ain't a... <laughs> Mar, 
I did tell you. I did tell you before we recorded. I was, when we talked about it last night, I was like, you might not love it because it's got a lot of dates and facts and information. Oh, <laughs> She's like, <laughs> I genuinely, listen, y'all. I, okay. Happy Place was for you. This was for me. Yes, for sure. <laughs> listen, I, I'm not a big fan on the whole, like, the dates and the numbers and stuff like that because I ain't good at math. It has nothing to do with math, <laughs> but I just don't like the number thing. She's like, not for me. But I, but I will say I have, ever since doing this podcast and reading books every single week, it's like I found more desire in me to want to learn about something new. And so I genuinely... Like, if you want to learn something new that you don't know about, this is a great book, I think, to do that with. Of like, it tells you the ins and outs from someone that's experienced it, not just someone who's researched it. And so I think I would give it now, y'all know me, so this is this is gracious. This is gracious. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna give it a four out of five. Wow. Okay. Yes. So more than happy place. Yeah. What? What did I give happy? Place? I thought you gave it like <laughs> I thought you gave it like a three and a half. Oh, I I might have. Yeah. But I think it's because this like with fictional books, I love them so much because it feels like I get to be a part of the story. But then with books that are nonfiction, you feel like you walked you you feel smarter. Mm. You feel like, oh, I know I'm woke. Yep. I know <laughs> You're like, I, I am a woman. You ask me about anything, I know I, I will I give you K Beauty right now. I will <laughs> reference everything from this book. Like I just, you know, yeah. it made me feel more like, oh, I I'm understanding the world around me a little bit better than I did the day before. Love it. Yeah. What a perfect way to end. That is such a plug if I've ever heard it. So go read this book, Flawless by Elise Hugh. Just came out so good. And if you have any recommendations or things that you want us to read, talk about, let us know, DM us, and we will talk and see you all next week. Yep. Bye. Bye.